Welcome to Dropkicks. I'm Bamba. I am the, uh, the better half of this duo, the Blackjack Bandit. It's very contentious. Uh, we're just going to chat. Absolute shit. And really spout some outrageous hot takes uh, just on the world of sport and just a, a list of things. Yeah, we'll get to them, but um, I feel like you know there's great things to come here. I would agree. Um, I think this has been in the makings for a long time, and uh, a shit chat amongst each other has really reached a point where it needs to be shared with a, a wider audience. Um, and so here we are. This is Dropkicks. Um, well, should we should we kick things off with the under twenties game this morning versus Colombia? Yeah. So, <laughs> how much of that did you actually watch? Um, well, I had good intentions. Um, I woke up at maybe 20 past six um, and I proceeded to watch the, uh, the lineup announcement um, from there until the beginning of the penalty shootout. Um, probably a grand total of about three minutes, if I'm honest. So I don't have a lot to say in regards to the general play. Um, you can you can cover that off, but um, you know, I'll I have a lot to say with the penalty shootouts. So let's just put it that way. All right. Well, we'll get to the penalties because they were disappointing to say the least. Um, the game itself was pretty good, I thought. Um, Michael Vald is the goat. I think New Zealand needs to make sure he's called up to the next All, all Whites Test or match rather, uh, when they have one in November because, you know, it's 450 days between competitive games. But he showed a lot of passion, uh, made some great saves, saved us towards the end of uh, uh, what normal time there. So, you know, there was, there was some good parts, but the penalty shootout, you know, what was your first thoughts on the penalties? Well, look, um, as you've covered off, Michael Vard is the GOAT. Um, at this point, he surely almost the best goalie in New Zealand. Um, and holy shit, three penalty stops from three. or well, what should have been three penalty stops from three, but um, a very, very contentious call to uh, have the third save retaken because he was allegedly um, encroaching. He was over his line when the, you know, when the kick was made. And looking back on that, that could be true, but I don't think it was... It, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't the worst um, circumstance in that penalty shootout of encroachment. Yeah, well, it didn't have any effect, did it, really? Like, he made the save. He wasn't off his line when he kicked the ball. He was kind of moving, but it really just cucked the under-20s. Their momentum just went downhill and had some real rough misses, unfortunately, but... Yeah, I think, I don't really know, what about Stensness's, uh penalty? What were your thoughts? That was Jack Wiley-esque. Oh, Jesus, don't get me started. Well, look, um, I'm all for trying to roof it, but... Um, you do love a good roofie. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose you could say that. But, um, look, if you are gonna going to do that... You know, I understand that you just scored an absolute fucking screamer the other day, but just just pick a corner, mate. Pick pick one of the bottom two corners and just just hammer it. Even the middle, just do anything other than what you did. Um, look, you're you're not the only one to blame. I mean, Joe Bell's penalty was also pretty average. In fairness, let me just step in here. He yeah, his penalty was trash. But he was the best player on the field and the outfield for the uh, the under twenties today. Um, he almost and you saw the one of the few things you did see in regular time was Wood save and uh, that was from a Joe Bell corner that went wrong. But apart from that and his penalty, he had an outstanding game. Um, but yeah, just it couldn't just get over the line, unfortunately. And once their momentum was taken, that was the that was the end and. The Wayne train had to stop at the station Sunday, and unfortunately, that might have been it. Well, uh, look, he's he's seventeen years old. He'll be eighteen within a matter of weeks, I believe. But um, look, 
Ben Wayne, uh, after that first game, the uh, the entire country was was sucking him off pretty much. They believed he was the second coming of Winton Roofer, more or less. And I think I'm now the only one left in the country that still thinks this. Um, look, the thing is, we had such a good player in Liberato Kakache coming down the left wing that our attack exclusively went down the left wing in every game except the Honduras game. So, I mean, Ben Wayne got very limited touches after that. Um, he didn't play in the um, the Uruguay game. And so, yeah, well, he'll be back for the under-20s. Um, he'll be back with the Phoenix, undoubtedly. And I believe the kid is going to end up being one of our best players of all time. And that might be a biased opinion, as you'll see on my Twitter account, at BigDaddyJeff underscore 69. But, um, look, what you know? What else can the kid do? He'll be back. Yeah, well, he is, he's, as you say, he's got another under-20 World Cup. And so he's going to be guaranteed at least to be our top under-20 goal scorer for at least four years now until the next tournament he doesn't qualify for. So, I mean, there's lots of positives to take out of it. New Zealand football looked very good on the world stage. And, you know, 5-0 and 2-0 against some pretty well, Honduras were trash. But Norway weren't bad as they put 12 goals on on Honduras during the tournament. So, I mean, there are positives to take away from it. Des Buckingham's a god. I think... Uh, you should be the all-whites coach, but anyway, they don't have any games, so why would you want to be the coach of that team? But, yeah, well... Oh, well, well, going back to that also, um, Nando Pineker, cheeky Nando's, what a force. What an absolute force to be reckoned with. He's got to be the most underrated player in New Zealand right now. Um, what? <laughs> Who does he play for? He's an he's a Ole boy. He's, um, yeah, no, he's Eastern Suburbs. And, you know, Eastern Suburbs are very famous for um, for producing attacking-minded players. Um, you know, even Dalton Wilkins and uh, Don Waldridge, they're quite attack-minded, um, just solid um, fullbacks. But Nando Pineker, oh, my Lord, what a God. I, um, he wouldn't look out of place. Uh, starting in the A-League with the performance that he's put on in this tournament. Well, that one where he had, um, was it Harlan, the guy who ended up scoring nine goals in that 12-0 win, he had him wrapped round his thumb. He um, he would have got home, emptied his pockets and found Harland on the bench. It was that good of a performance. And same with our other centre-back, Stanger. He was, they're both out the gate. And Stanger especially, we're really lucky to have him because he only really changed to being a Kiwi in April so yeah it's it's interesting there's definitely a lot of positives and no doubt we'll be away laughing in a couple years time that Ollie White's next year that could be very interesting if they can get all those players back and yeah I mean kind of leads us into our next thing so you know the under 20s would have won the Champions League I'm just going to put that out there. You thought the game was quite boring. Um, what were your thoughts? Well, um, seems that we've we've started a trend here because much like the the Columbia game this morning, I was also sleeping right through that game. Um, I probably saw slightly more of the uh, the Champions League game. I saw both the goals, which is apparently the only really uh, standout moment from those games. Um. I absolutely pissed myself when uh, when Liverpool were given a penalty in the first 30 seconds. Um, and I don't really get the debate. I mean, the Sissoko's just, just stuck his arm out, and as it's being kicked towards him, he brings it down. Um, he controls it, doesn't he? Well, he does control it. And also, what are you doing in the box? Sticking your arm out like that. That's That's my take. And I... I don't understand people that saying, oh, you can't call that, it changed the game. Well, I mean, you, yeah, it's, it's part of the game and you you can't call the game differently just because it's a final or else, you know, you're always going to get contentious shit calls. Yeah, I mean, I'll just put a little disclaimer, you're going to hear us in the background because Tom put The Blackjack Bandit. Uh, Blackjack Bandit, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean... It's a penalty. It's as simple as that. He's controlled it with his arm, and it's changed the game. Um, but that's not a 
bad thing because that is the game. Penalties are a part of the game, as we saw in the under twenties this morning. Which let's not bring that up. That's gonna make us cry. But yeah, I think well done Liverpool. It was a good win. Tottenham and well done to them. It was a good season for them and. It was a shame that final ended, probably one of the most exciting Champions League ever, uh, with the amount of comebacks and upsets. But, hey, can't complain. Yeah, yeah. More or less, I mean, there's, no, there's not a lot to say about this game. I mean, Liverpool were the hot favourites. Uh, people are saying Tottenham deserved it more. I would beg to differ looking at the scoreline. Um, you know, you can have all the possession in the world, but if you don't do anything with the ball then you've only got yourself to blame, don't you? Um, but, yeah, look, I mean, Liverpool have been a top three club in Europe for the entire season, and they deserved at least one trophy this season. So, even as an Arsenal fan, I'm, I'm quite happy for, you know, for the, the club. Their fans are the best in the world. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's nothing really you can shit on them about. They deserve everything that they get. Yeah, well, well that kind of leads us on to our, our next little segment that we've, we've thought of um, on the terms of uh, refereeing decisions. So stay tuned. Time out! Right, so Sanjay Cooper's contentious calls of the week. Uh, there's a few of them. We've obviously kind of ticked two off uh, with the under-20s penalty decision and, and also the Champions League penalty decision. But that... Amazingly and shockingly, wasn't the worst refereeing performance we saw this weekend. Um, do you want to introduce it? Oh, it was bad. Yeah, oh, certainly. Okay, so um, we, uh, oh, when was it? From Thursday to Sunday, we were down in Dunedin. Um, and due to um, uh, affiliations with the club in, in some capacity... Uh, we decided we'd watch the Dunedin Tech game, and they were playing Roslyn, I believe. Um, Roslyn were the favourites, and it showed immediately. Um, the final score was 4-1, and it was never particularly close. Um, but, you know, Dunedin Tech really were not helped. Or just, you know, Roslyn weren't even really helped by... The, the refereeing performance was... I mean, I've watched a lot of tragic refereeing performances, and so has Bamba, but this is easily, without a doubt in my mind, the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, well, I've been probably a part of a few real contentious performances on my own behalf, but this is atrocious. Um, There were corners called gold kicks, gold kicks called corners, throw-ins given the wrong way, and on those occasions, both teams agreed to switch it around um, it didn't it, it got pretty bad I mean he made some good calls penalty was a penalty all that sort of thing but there were just terrible foul calls there were two yellows given to the same player and no red card there was a straight red given on a second yellow which I wouldn't have even called a yellow to begin with it was it didn't impact the game but it was a pretty farcical and uh, laughable performance that in the end, it won me a bit of money, so I was pretty happy, but uh, it was pretty atrocious. I don't, it didn't really look good for Dunedin club football, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, you can say that it didn't impact the game, but I mean, it's always going to have some effect on the players when you're trying to get back into the game, but then you just got slapped with some bullshit foul call when you've clearly won the ball. Um or, you know, you've won a corner and it's called a goal kick or something. Um, yeah, um, the, the standard of Dunedin football, um, if, if that's premier football, um, I can understand why we don't have many all-whites coming out of Dunedin. Um, I'll just put it that way. But, um, you know, I guess it's a rugby hotbed, so... There is a, a big competition there, but um, also the facilities are a bit, you know, they leave a bit to be desired, um, and, and Bab will talk about that a bit more. Yeah, so Tahuna Park, we, being in Dunedin, we drank a bit of spates, and the bottle cap quiz uh, put up a little gem, really, 
It was the first ground in Dunedin to host an All Blacks test, and uh, it's now Dunedin Tech's home ground. And the weather, as you've probably seen throughout the country that Queen's birthday weekend, was pretty bad. And Tahuna Park probably wore most of the brunt of it, really. Uh, the ball wouldn't go very far. There was a couple of puddles, good knee slide after a goal, which was a little bit contentious, but and it's another topic. But it was bitterly cold. And this ground was, yeah, it kind of leaves a lot to be desired, Dunedin, um, just in general. But, yeah, it was pretty cold. Tom complained pretty much the whole time. And so we went to his new favourite shop and got himself a vest, or a fleece, sorry. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Dunedin, out of 10? Dunedin, out of 10. Um... Look, I guess we've reached uh, a point in our lives where we're now outside the target demographic of Dunedin. Um, the target demographic of Dunedin is between 18 and 19. Um, and talking to people we know who are our age in Dunedin, um, they're all quite sick of it, which is understandable because I was quite ready to leave after three days. Um, but look, Dunedin, it's cool. Um in terms of, you know, the the culture, the lifestyle. It's also cool in terms of the fucking weather. Holy shit, it is cold there. I mean, and also, as as you told me, uh, Dunedin is a city that uh, someone seemed to have left in the 1950s and then the rest of the country's just sort of forgotten about it. None of the houses have been renovated to include modern amenities like double glazed windows which we observed uh, sitting in a flat the heat pump was on turned off and it instantly dropped in temperature by about 8 degrees um, but look to 9 out of 10 I'll, I'll, I'll be visiting again um, I'll give it a, a solid 6.3 it's pretty solid um, yeah I'd have to agree with you it's a lovely city, good culture, but it's been forgotten. And uh, But there are some really special parts of the city, and uh, one of those is our weekly bar recommendation. Um, we're going to try and do this relatively uh, well, consistently. Um, so weekly is very ambitious, we must put out there. But there was a certain New Zealand bar this weekend that really captured the imagination and the old culture of New Zealand, their pioneering culture, and just a, a special bar. Would you like to introduce it, Tom? The Blackjack yeah, Bandit. Well, yeah. well, you know, this bar is um, holds a special place in my heart now. It really reminds me of the shitty bars I frequent in my in my hometown, such as the Sand Bar, such as um, oh shit, what's that one in Petoni? Um, um, no, not the Workman's Club. No, not Simbin. But Simbin also it reminds me of. Um, shit, it's completely slipped my mind. Oh, you've got the Petoni Sports Bar as well. It's the one across the road on Jackson Street. Um, sorry, this is a terrible part of the podcast. Um, what the fuck is that bar called? <laughs> um, look, but yeah, look, it's just a bit of home. Um, we went... Twice in two days, and I think the exact same people were in there. Um, people would leave, go have dinner at home, and then come back, which was elite. What about the guy who went and bought fish and chips and then brought it back into the bar? He's going, oh, I'm going to go cook dinner, and everyone's asking, oh, what are you cooking? And he's like, oh, fish and chips. And he rocks back up with his old newspaper and sits at the bar and unravels, gets the sauce from behind the bar and pours it all over. It's oh, really great establishment. Oh, right. it was it was phenomenal. Um, I don't even think we've said the name of it yet, but the name was Tipler's Bar um, in Dunedin. Uh, $10 jugs of spades, and not your standard, you know, tiny, tiny jugs. They were decent-sized jugs. Um, you know, there's a there's an array of pokey machines, albeit limited, but, you know, a pokey machine's a pokey machine. Um, and just just a welcoming character... My only real complaint is the uh, the TV placements are a bit wounding. Um, 
as with all Dunedin bars, there's no ventilation at all, so there's a lot of condensation on the windows. Um, and the men's toilet is literally a urinal in a sink, so if you want to drop the kids off at the pool, um, it's a bit problematic. But, yeah, Tiplers is a, is a must-visit when you're in... Um, when you're in Dunedin, and also, I've just been pointed out that the bar I'm talking about is Horse and Hound. Um, very similar sort of character to, to Tipplers. And, yeah, I suppose that, that about wraps up the, um, the segment on the bars. And Dunedin. Yeah, and, and Dunedin. Yeah, I think Tipplers has a pretty good review. I think out of 10, for me, it, it would be about a 7.2. It's a great establishment. Um, Tom, the Blackjack Bandit. Blackjack Bandit and Sam were vaping indoors. Um, so that was pretty contentious in its own right. Uh, but they allowed it and there were no complaints. The jugs were filled right up and there were six pokies. Um, yeah, I think seven, what did I say, 7.2? Yeah. yeah, we'll keep a 7.2. I think that really rounds off our weekly bar, well, weekly. Uh, bar recommendation uh, for Tiplers in Dunedin. Uh, I don't know the street. It's across the road from the New World, so you have to look it up. I'm sure they've got some a really heavy Google presence. Uh, yeah, so I think that sums up Dunedin for us. There are contentious uh, refereeing decisions all over the board. Uh, it was pretty cold. Hunting and fishing served you pretty well. Yeah. And Tiplers. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, this is Dunedin. <laughs> All right, well, now that we're done with Dunedin, um, probably for good, uh, at least for another year, uh, we'll go on to another big event that's on at the moment, the Cricket World Cup. Um, hasn't really been that, well, not exciting. I think exciting's the wrong word, but there's not. there's only been the one upset so far in New Zealand and Australia crews in their games. Um, England looked good. Well, what else? Oh, the West Indies turned up to one game, so... We, you never really know what you're going to get with the West Indies, unfortunately, but that's that's them. So I guess we'll start with New Zealand's first game. And nice to see Munro and Henry get a chance and make the best of it. And what are your thoughts, Tom? I think we pretty share similar views on this. Yeah, well, um, obviously Munro's been out of form for a while now, so it's great to see him uh, get a bit of a bat and try play himself back into form for the um, important games to come because uh, this three-game stretch is really where he needs to do it. Um, yeah, well, obviously it wasn't much of a of a, a batter's night. It was more of a bowler's night for um, for the Black Caps. Um, all of the bowlers. Oh, well, yeah, all of the bowlers performed well, but man of the match, Matt Henry, was absolutely immense. Um, you know, the Whakamana Express as well, lovely Trenty. All chipping in with some some tidy little uh, overs and really restricted that run total and just just slaughtered um, Sri Lanka, um, getting our um, our bogey batsman uh, Pereira out as well. Took a bit of a bit of work, bit more than it should have, but we got there, and that's a massive improvement over the New Zealand series earlier in the year. Um, and look, yeah, well, with how South Africa are performing right now, it looks like we're definitely poised at a um, a semi-final appearance. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, that kind of leads on to my next point. These three games against, well, we had Sri Lanka and we bet them. Um, not just bet them, but destroyed. Um, you got Bangladesh and Afghanistan as our first three games, which... It's a bit wounding. Um, you're not going to spend the whole night watching those three games unless you have a real interest in the leg spin coming from both of those countries. But if you lose any of those, that really stitches you up. So South Africa losing this morning uh, to Bangladesh really has put them in some strife and they've got India next. And you kind of have to think they're going to be 0-3 to start the World Cup and that's almost them gone. Um so this game against Bangladesh is pretty pretty big for us, really, and keep going with a 10-wicket win would be good. But, you know, yeah, a win's good, so we get a good win. We kind of, I don't know, get, in, get on the board, and 2-2 two and two would be a good start. 
Yeah, well, as you said, I mean, it's basically going to come down to, in the round-robin format, um, you know, you're only going to compete if you beat all the the average teams and you pump some games against the other top four sides. Um, so these, the next two games are really must-wins for the Black Caps. Um, but, yeah, I mean, after that performance, I think Sri Lanka are probably the best of the best of the bunch. So, I mean, I don't think there's really any ceiling to how far this this team can go. The the one to watch out for is the England game. Um and that will really show whether or not we can be uh challenging for the title here. Yeah, well that's the good thing about this new World Cup format is we get to play everyone. So we're gonna be able to figure out if we really are that good and whether we deserve to be in the semi finals. I guess if you make them you deserve to be there. But there's some big games coming up. This the South Africa game for us is pretty big because if we win that, that would pretty much eliminate them, and would take out the team that I thought would be in the final. I thought England versus Africa. That doesn't look very likely now. So, yeah, I think it kind of leads us into predicting. We're going to try and predict what happens in the the next game, the Bangladesh game, with our gambling tip. It says of the week again, but I don't really know if it's going to be of the week. But um, what are you kind of leaning towards, Tom? You've got a healthy bank balance currently. Uh, what would you What would you go for? What's your tip? Well, um, look, as the uh, degenerate gamblers that we are, um, look, uh, yeah, sorry, Bama's just getting a call from one of his 17 girlfriends. Um, look, as the, the great degenerate gamblers that we are, these tips probably shouldn't be followed, but you can you can have a punt if you want. Um, look, we're playing Bangladesh. Bangladesh, um, how how did they go in their last game, actually? Who did they play? It slips my mind. <laughs> South Africa this morning. They played South Africa, and they absolutely spanked them. So my thinking is you want to go for a batsman. Uh, the, the top team batsman, uh, you've got um, some good odds... Good money to be made here. Um, as I said, Munro's playing himself into form right now. Um, at $6, that's great value. At $6, that is great value, actually. Um, but also, not to be forgotten, is that these are the games where they're going to cycle the team around a bit. And um, that undoubtedly means that Tom Blundell's going to get a run. And he's probably going to bat about five or six. Oh, um, and at 7.50, I think that is great odds for that. Um, and if he doesn't... If he doesn't... Sorry. One mic, Tom. The blackjack, blackjack band. band. <laughs> you need to bring your mic. Um, yeah, well, at 7.50, if you bet on him, put yeah, a cheeky five or a ten, you get your money back if he doesn't start. So you kind of got to just chase the value. Um, and he, I'm sure he'll love the old medium paces that they rock up with. And I think that's probably the TAB might do a little special so you can jump on that. But that sounds like our gambling tip of the week. I think that's pretty pretty solid. I wouldn't listen to it, but it's there. Everyone knows it now. Um, you can do what you want with it. Uh, so we get to our last little point here and we'll be, you get to turn us off and actually enjoy some quality audio. We've got our list of the, of the week again. Um, definitely just a list. I think we should just call it the list. But we're going to do our, in honour of our trip to Dunedin and the splendid tour of the Dunedin Brewery, uh, Spates Brewery even, it is the Dunedin Brewery, um, and the Tap Room and Keith, great, great New Zealander. We're going to list off our top five beer brands. Um, now, when we're going to debate, well, it would have been good with two mics and we could actually debate um, who I'm still here <laughs> I'm still up for a debate oh, we'll move it a bit to century and we'll try it and we can always edit it alright so Tom, the black top five beer brands um, we're going to go five to one so finish strongly and start poorly well anyone that knows me knows what my number one is going to be so that's not going to oh, be any suspense um, look um, if you'd asked me before the week was spate to my top five, I'll probably tell you no. I would have told you. Um, it's a bit 
Coca-Cola-esque. It's a, it's a good drink, but the marketing hype is what really pushes it, and it's not the best beer on the market. You, you say that it's the most popular beer in the country, and it's not in my top five, so I don't know really why I'm defending it, but it is the biggest beer brand in New Zealand. But I mean... And they own everything. That's a, yeah, well, they, apparently they own literally everything in the world, from the sounds of what Keith was saying. But, um, yeah, well, after the experience at the Spates Brewery, um, I'm going to have to put Spates number five. Uh, I think that's quite fair. Obviously, as Bamba said, um, they are by far the most popular beer brand in New Zealand. Um, and I don't think that's deserved, but I definitely think they warrant a spot in my top five. Uh, fourth place, uh, you, you can't go past the great New Zealander Lee Hart's um, beer with uh, Waka Changi. Should I name my five? And we'll go five to oh, four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. That's All right. Well, I do like your number four, and, and we'll get back to that point. Uh, but my number five, and, uh, I'm a very, well, I don't know what the right word is here. I do like my Emerson's Pilsner. Um, bit of a Euro snob. Do love the old European beers and kind of froze back to, uh, to Prague and a bit of cheap Pilsner. So, it's definitely not cheap, but it's very good beer, and that would be my number five. Uh, you got any comment on that number five? Look, um, look I, I can't really comment, I suppose. I, I don't really sample Evanson's much, and I'm not a huge Pilsner guy, so, I mean, you either like Pilsner or you don't, so I can't debate that much. That's just a matter of personal preference. But, um, yeah, no, I respect that. Uh, I've heard good things about the Emerson's Brewery Tour as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah solid number five. So you yeah. said your number four was Waka Changi, oh, so... Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can't argue with Waka Changi. It's just great at what it does. It's 20 bucks for a box at most New Worlds around the country. Um, it's also on tap at Horse and Jockey in, uh, in Christchurch. Oh, $10 jug. $10 jug, in fact. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely delicious it's got a bit of it's almost craft beer-esque um there's a bit of comedy value to it with the box and the packaging and whatnot um and yeah i mean can't go wrong with it really yeah i mean it's my number four so we're gonna agree here um great debate this is a great debate when we agree on the on the points but just for the comedy factor and and it just is a really nice beer Uh, i mean yeah, I think we should just move on to number three, so... Well, okay, so my number three... Um, I'm going to have to go here with Export Gold. Um, oh, no. I know. I knew that was going to piss you off. <laughs> well, you can wait till my three. That's going to annoy you. Look, Export Gold, much like Waka Changi, it's just good at, at what it's aiming to do. Export Gold is the easiest beer in the world to drink. And if your aim is just, hey, I want to get absolutely fucked up tonight, then Export Gold is the one you need to be drinking. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, I understand the complaints that it tastes like water. It's just too sweet. But honestly, it just tastes like you're drinking a fizzy drink. Well, look. Which is why you drink it if you are going to get... That's exactly my point. It's, it's good at what it does. It knows what it's trying to do. But a top, hang on, but a top three beer, out of all the beer brands you've got in New Zealand, you're going Export Gold is your number three. I am going Export Gold. So contentious. It's just, (laughs) it's a specialist beer. Like, I don't think anyone is a huge Export Gold fan to the point that it's all they drink. And they think it's absolutely... There'd be some Dunedin student who's too poor to afford anything else. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're always going to get that. But... Like you and Lime Brown. That's a spoiler alert, actually. Which brings us to my number three, Lime Brown. What are your, your thoughts? Uh, it's a lovely beverage, and it is currently what I've got in my fridge. But it's it's not top two beer. It's a, it's a top three, but it's not top two for me. Okay. Saying um, that it's what you've currently got in your fridge is irrelevant, because the only reason it's in your fridge is because of me, and I'm here so often in Christchurch, and I always get Lime Brown, and it's still left over every time I come down. There was none left over this time. Uh, well, as of last night. As of last night when we drank all the lime brown. Um, Two bottles. Yeah, well, look. Um, 
Look, I respect that it's in your top five, but it's just too low. Lime Brown. Look, I'll, I'll save it for my, my argument. But All right, we'll, we'll hold fire on that one. Number two. Now, my number two is... It's a real tough one. I was tossing up between one and two and what way to put them around and still haven't really made up my mind. That's why I'm filibustering here. But I think it just had to be Steinlager. Um, number two? Number two. I I've thought cho- that was your favourite. Yeah, we've changed. We had a little mock debate in Dunedin uh, where we felt pressured, or I felt pressured to put Spates in my top five and, and it seems like the pressure's worn on you still. But, yeah, number two, also owned by Spates. Keith is... Uh, very strong on that point. Um, but yeah, it's just a nice crisp beer. It's not everyone's cup of tea. Lots of people get headaches and all that kind of stuff with it. But definitely number two for me uh, once I had a, a fall and pressured into a decision. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, Stein Lager, um, it's New Zealand's beer, really. It's, it's all you can get at All Blacks games. Um, and it's unlike um, Export or Wakachangi, it's just, it's versatile you can drink it for any occasion um, it's green bottle so you can bring it to, you know like a nice sort of dinner yeah, well, it looks good doesn't it it it's, does look good, apart from when you get it in the can form and, and then you just look like um, yeah, that's a, bit a bit hoary but yeah, you can bring a green bottle to the table and you don't get frowned upon it's not being like a big bottle of lime brown sticking it at your, the head of the dinner table and your parents looking at you like what is this guy doing yeah, I mean, Steinlager, again, this isn't much of a, a debate because I'm, I seem to be agreeing with you. Yeah, we haven't really debated. We kind of, we've kind probably broke something that's not contentious. Well, I, maybe that could be an improvement on uh, next we'll, podcast. We'll just go but, to the Pringles. But, oh, Jesus. Yeah, like, that'll, that'll get me fired up. But look, yeah, you can't go wrong with Steinlager. And that brings me to my number two beer, Steinlager Pure. Um... It's, it's very similar to, to Steinlager. Steinlager Pure? Yeah, Steinlager Pure. Uh, Do you I, like drinking river water? Yes, actually. Um, is that why your number one is what your number one is? Uh, well, all our um, regular listeners. All our regular listeners who know us personally and already know exactly what your number one is going to be. Yeah, well, look. Steinlager Pure, I, I don't... I'm not enough of a... Uh, snob I suppose to describe exactly how different it is to, to Steinlager um, and to be honest I don't know the difference I just was making fun of you choosing as your number two beer well that's a bit rough but it's just I don't know I guess it's just a bit more of a subtle taste um, I suppose it looks a little bit classier maybe and I think that's sort of what it's targeted towards um, but yeah again it's versatile I mean I wouldn't really bring it to a party as a student um but I def, you know, it's sort of a sit down at home beer, have it after, after a, a big day or whatever, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind the taste at all. Well, that brings me to my number one: the old sit down. You're at home, have a nice relaxed time, as you should be when you're uh, having a bit brew. Um, as an Upper Hutt native, it was hard to look past. Panhead is the number one. I was, as I said before, I hadn't actually really made a decision between one and two, and I think I had it two last time we did this debate. But just a $5 jug at the Upper Hutt Rugby Club rooms, you just can't go wrong with a bit of Panhead. And Brewtown, it's just, oh, it's Upper Hutt. You can't beat Upper Hutt, and I think that's the moral of this countdown. Upper Hutt's top. Look, um, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that, actually. Um... What, what were you expecting once I said Steinlager 2? What was your, what was was, your thoughts? I was clueless, actually. No. Um, Panhead. Adam I mean, guessing. Yeah, um, that's a completely different uh, category of beer, I suppose. Um, like, yeah, I like a, a Panhead. It's a bit expensive for me. Which one of those beers, if I had the money, I'd buy it. Yeah. Whereas I don't. So that's why Lime Brown's currently in the fridge. And Steinlager is usually there, too. Yeah, well, okay. Like... Steinlager, that's completely what I expected you to say is your number one. Um, but yeah, look, Panhead, I can respect that choice. I used to despise craft beer. It's, it's sort of an acquired taste, and now I've acquired that taste, and I quite, <laughs> quite enjoy. Comes with age, doesn't it? A bit yeah. of experience. So was that from last week? 
onwards, really, you've really become a craft beer oh, fan. Oh, yeah, once, once I matured into uh, adulthood, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> After a big night. Yeah, yeah. You, you really acquire some tastes. Um, yeah, Panhead. Um, I suppose there's not much I can debate about We really haven't made that contentious of a list. Um, well, look, so we might have to go round two after you've just done your number one. I think we've got a really good topic that we could argue about. Well, look, number one, clearly, obviously, is Lime Brown. Now... No way. Lime Brown. What? Where do I start? It's the original Brown Bomber. Uh, Would you like the can and you can just read the description of it? Well... You should know it anyway, you drink it that much. Yeah, I should know it off by heart at this point. But look, it, our, our, the people who saved our country from, uh, from, from foreign rule drank this beer. Okay? My grandfather, my father, drank this beer. Well, I guess that's, for me, that's why Steinlager's in there. I've been stitched up. Well, not stitched up, it's a very nice beer, I do enjoy it. But that's all that's in the fridge at home. And I go home and go into the beer fridge and try and grab a brew and it's it's literally just staying like a wall to wall. And there's like a little tray with all the leftover beers from Finn and it's export goals. I'm not going anywhere near that. Tastes like absolute crap. Just, it's awful. And then you got space. So that's all right, I can have space. But it's just staying like the rest of it. And you might as well just help yourself some of it. Your argument that well, not argument, but you, you are saying it's your grandfather, your father's beer. And, and that's, I guess that is, is the conclusion of this whole countdown is we've been influenced by our elders. Well, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, even if my grandfather and father drank it, if it was absolute shit, I wouldn't drink it. Look, Lime Brown. I think, Where I think can just I leave start? it at, at Lime Brown, full stop. I think, I think no one will disagree with you. Oh, I mean, I'm all for convincing more people to buy Lime Brown. So I'll say it right now. Lime Brown, $22, 18 cans of beer. That's the end of my argument. Well, I feel like that's pretty pretty set. We've both got a very solid top five. Um, Not a lot of arguments. I thought we'd have a bit more contention. Um, So, just a little additional bonus list for the first episode. Tom, what's your your top three Pringles flavours? My top three Pringles flavours. Again, I've got a clear number one in my head. Um, and I'll judge anyone that doesn't think this is number one. Much like Bam is about to tell me it's not. Well, it doesn't even get into my top three. Yeah. Um, which I stand by. I think it, it's a flavour that divides the nation. Um, and... I can already tell that we're going to not agree on this. It's going to be great. A great argument. That would be really nothing. Uh, so what's your number three? Um, look, I don't really dabble much in Pringles flavours because, you know, there is just one alpha flavour. Well, that's why there's three. So my third, I'm going to have to say uh, a barbecue. Um, I don't and have I this much. I agree with you here. So this oh. is, we're, after just saying we're going to argue at every point, we're both barbecue number three. It's just, it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's all right. Um, you know, it's, it's a good one to just put out amongst a group of friends. And Yeah, there's not a lot of contention when it comes to barbecue-flavoured Pringles, is there? No, not really. All right, so your number two then. My number two has to be sour cream and chives. Um, I understand this is a beloved flavour, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it does the job again. Um, but I mean I'm not a huge sour cream and chives fan of flavour of anything really but Pringles is quite nice does the job well so that's where I'll jump in so my two well my one is sour cream and chives and my two is original and so what What? are your what? what you can't go wrong with a ready salted chip just goes down a treat, and and it really gets you away from the worst flavour you could buy, which is, what's your number one? Number one. Ooh. I can't believe you just said that original is the best Pringles flavour. No, 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 no. Number two, number two. 
Number one is sour cream and chives. Well, I can't believe it's even in your top three. Well, it's just, it's a go-to. It's very standard. I'm a big ready salted chip guy. Um, and salt and vinegar just tastes like, yeah, I mean, you can list off a range of things that taste like. As long as you don't say good, you're in, you're in the money. Wow. <laughs> you think you know someone, and then they say that original Pringles is a top three Pringles flavour. Um, that's a Pringles flavour for, um, for grandparents, Mormons, and um, just all-around boring people that don't, don't venture out into other flavours. Well, no, I do. So that's what the top three is. This is venturing into a, a range of uh, different, you know, flavours. And salt and vinegar, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you spend the $4 on a Pringles can just to buy salt and vinegar? That's an outrageous point coming from someone that just said original Pringles is a top two Pringles flavour. Look, salt and vinegar... Well, I'll just say the other thing is I can't actually think of more than three, four flavours. So, yeah. Salt and vinegar Pringles are the goat. There's, there's no... Hang on, so when I was talking there, Tom was looking over my shoulder and I've got headphones on. Does someone walk in or... No. Or, <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm You've really freaked me out, eh? To see like a shadow moving or something. All right, well, should we finish there? I think. I think why we're gonna we're never gonna agree. It's just the simple matter. No, we're never gonna agree because you're wrong. No, no, you're wrong. Salt and vinegar. No, oh, I just. That's it. I think that the salt and vinegar is your number one. We could even go down as Sanjay Cooper's contentious call. That's outrageous. Well. It is contentious. I bet you the referee of the Chatham Cup game, Dunedin Tech versus Roslyn, has so many good That's the most offensive thing I've heard all day, and I've been called a fatty by a Colombian on Twitter. Look. Which, we're going to include that at the end of the podcast, so just keep listening. It's a great story. Um, yeah, I feel this part of the podcast has been going for 25 minutes, so I feel like we can kind of end it there and... We'll agree to disagree, and I think next week or the week after, whenever we need another one of these, we'll have a great debate. And yeah, you got another point to say? Some would say it is a uh, a mass debate. <laughs> and on that note, uh, yeah, we've been the drop kicks. Are we the drop kicks or is it drop kicks? I'm not sure actually. I guess I guess that's up for everyone else to decide. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things we'd like to hear from the group. We we realise that 90%, if not 100, of the people who listen to this are going to be our mates. So if you send it send it to us, send us your list. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, interaction's great. And as long as you haven't got salt and vinegar in your top three, then I think our friendship can continue. There might not be another episode of Dropkicks. Um, I just, yeah, I can't can't see myself working with you I'm not, uh, imagine imagine if you were in Christchurch that would just be the end of it um, yeah yeah look uh, I'm, I'm done here uh, look this has been the Dropkicks this has been the Blackjack Bandit and Bamba um, thanks for listening cucks <laughs>
I just said, at FIFA.com, you fuckers have cheated us. Explain to me how this is different to any of the penalties taken in that shootout. Killed all our momentum. And you can tell me if I've, if I've crossed the line there, but that wasn't directed at any Colombians or anything at all. There's quite clearly photographic evidence that I'm right. Um, and yeah, I really don't think that's up for debate. And then, my new best friend, Sebastian Salazar, also known as at Sebastopol94, that makes him four years older than me, therefore he's 25 years old. Uh, he says, cry me a river, he clearly has a foot over the line. Now, again, let's, um, let's remember that the original tweet was not directed at Colombians, and this guy obviously has a really cool life and just goes searching for fights on Twitter. And so, I, as I do, examined his, um, his profile picture and found that he has a really shit moustache. And so, I replied, quite factually, your eyesight must be as bad as your moustache if you think that your goalie didn't do the exact same thing on that last save. And then, I had the most intelligent retort I've ever experienced in my life. Alright, fatty, go cry. I need counselling now, because that hurt my feelings so bad. But at the end of the day, I might be fat, but at least I'm not from a country with uh, crippling poverty. And, uh, you know, they're only famous for one thing, and that's a murderous drug lord. And I stand by that statement. (laughs) 